All right, guys, how are you guys doing? Um, we have three special guests today. We have Carl and Nick and Nate, um, Activate. And we have, um, so for this, unfortunately, we have, I have to tell you that Brett's unable to um, continue doing the podcast at this point this semester. Um, school has to come first, so she just has to um, bow out for this. But it's just going to be me for um, a second. So I hope you guys still pay attention to um, everything that's coming out. And everything that's part of YouTube and SoundCloud and all that other stuff. But today we have um, an interview, a group interview with, um, D, um, they're all DJs and all producers. So I think this is a good conversation to have um, between um, people in the same field of the music industry. So um, just going to get um, into the regular programming. So like, what have you guys been listening to like for our daily wavelengths? Like the artists you guys have been listening to, um, either like old school, you know, heavy yeah, rap, man. heavy mean, rap, everything, everything, a lot, man. I grew up in uh, in North Jersey, about twenty minutes outside of New York City. So, you know, in that area of, of the state of, of New Jersey, you know, you're gonna hear a lot of some of everything. You know, uh, hip hop, jazz, uh, Latin, house, dance, mm-hmm. everything. You know what I mean? So, just it's been a combination of different. Um, Influences musically that I've just kind of picked up and, and rolled with over the years. Yeah. yeah, I've been really tuning in a lot of. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, guys. Oh. That was Carl that started off, guys. Can you guys just say your names? Oh, you okay. guys say stuff. I'm it's sorry. not much. What's up, guys? My name is Nate, also known as Activate. Uh, I really listen to like whatever's popping nowadays because music always changes consistently over the time, over very quickly. Actually, you know, one minute the biggest song in the world is. Uh, a, a Latin track, and the next one is a complete raging hip hop track. You know, and I see what's popping. I see where uh, the audience would would view music and stuff, and see how it goes. And you know, some of the music that I hear is really, really good. I really like them. I've been I've been digging to um, a lot of a lot of Cardi B, Gummo, and uh, Takashi Six Nine. Oh my God, dude, he's like. He's raging, but he's just like he's killing it. Yeah. Apparently, he's, he's been doing really well lately. But I like it though. He says he was he king of he says he's the king it. of New York. Yeah, that's, that's where you got to start because um, I'm Nick, um, manager of Activate Productions, one of the managers here. And um, what uh, I was to and what I've been um, you know focusing my attention on more so has been the R&B and rap uh, uh, genres because it's such a a wide range of music, uh, R&B and hip hop and rap. There's so many different categories, and uh, one minute, you know, one certain type of hip hop could be really popular, and the next minute, you know, another uh, underground version of hip hop comes up and services mm-hmm. into the into the world that no one's ever heard of, and people are really excited on, um, you know, what's coming out, what's new. It's not about the old school, but at the same time, you got to go back to throwbacks and. And you know, no one ever forgets the the days where DMX was, you know, making his yeah. name, and, and you know, Fifty Cent, and mm-hmm. those are like the '90s throwbacks. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, you know, these people are still relevant in the game now because they're they're always coming up with new stuff, new material, new content. So, and yeah. just to piggyback off that, you know, I, I definitely agree with the fact that you know the the classics are always going to be you know, relevant to a certain extent. I mean, mm-hmm. you got songs from the 60s that people are still rocking out to. I mean, you know, I, like I said, I've, I've grown up listening to everything from hip-hop, rock, uh, 
hip-hop, R&B, jazz, Latin. And, you know, those those guys that have really um, pioneered a lot of those genres are, are still, you know, looked at as being like the godfather of soul, like James Brown, for example, mm-hmm. or uh, Frankie Knuckles, the godfather of house music. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in a history of uh, hip-hop right now with uh, Professor MacArthur. We're going through, um, you know, the, the, the different key guys that really started hip-hop, DJ Cool Herc. You know, uh, Grandmaster Flash. Yes, he did. Yeah. So you know, it's it's all about just seeing where the foundation comes from and building on that. So I think yeah. you know, over time, everything has its own evolution. But you know, in order to stay relevant, you gotta have to, you kind of have to go back. I mean, music today still borrows from those old records. Mm-hmm. So that's true. Um, speaking as um, since like I said before, you guys are all producers. And speaking of how everything's being um, reused and like remade, um, how is your um, how are your thoughts of um, mixing in old um, old themes of music into the um, current day? How are your feelings about that? I mean, like, when stuff, you're like when and you're, then sampling and when it comes down to sampling, I mean, it always looks back to like I mean, I see music being created. Like, it's the same song you hear. In the dance music world, it's the same way, you know. It, it's the same rehashed style of music that you would hear. And using the old elements from some original songs mm-hmm. into new songs as well is very, very relevant. But they, they don't look too They don't look too far. They look to, they look to who, was, who uh, influenced them back in, like, 2010 versus back in 1990, you know, 1990 or 1980, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't really look... That's where the, that's why I fear that the creativity is, like, slowing down there. Because they're looking back at who was popping like two, three years ago and replicating their music versus people who were popping 30, 40 years ago and then seeing how you can rehash that. But for me, I I feel that um, producers now should, I would say, don't don't restrict yourself to go back to uh, way back in the diamond in, in the. Way back in the day of the uh, classic, classical, classical, the classical periods, you know, don't go too far. Wherever, but, you, know, you know, see, or, you know, yeah, see where's relevant. You know, I, I look into uh, what's what's more relevant now, and I see a lot of hip hop artists re, re- uh, sampling up house house tracks mm-hmm. into Definitely. their stuff, and and using house music into like with with music artists that are in the hip hop and R and B category. You know, they're they're dishing their own two cents of what what they think house music should be and and it's very nice you know i like it you know some people do well some people don't somehow and i don't hear the people who don't that i've only seen a couple people who actually like a couple rappers and a couple of uh singers who did like dance music like edm dance music and stuff and you know it's cool it's, it's all great. pop stuff you know it's, it's all about what's popular and that's when um edm was such a at a uh, increasingly large state that every artist wanted to get on an EDM track at some point there was you know uh, a big buzz of you know trap music and, and using electronic synths and stuff when um, you know back in 2010 and growing, going there so you know I feel like um, resampling and sampling tracks is is something that can be um, that can be done throughout music history you can do something um, that was released. You can sample something that was released yesterday, and and but it all pertains to the copyrights and and getting the uh, licenses for those copyrights. At the end of the day, you could have done that and sampled somebody's song 
that was released yesterday. But at the end of the day, you probably lose a lot of money in, in copyrights and trying to get that license uh, through because it's such a relevant song. A lot of people go for songs that are in the public domain, and that's a really good way to sample tracks for free. You know, you can you still have to go through the licensing process, but they don't require you to um, use uh, uh, require you to uh, dish out any money for those licenses. And that's a pretty good benefit. So classical music back in 1920s, you know, to go into 30s. Some stuff that are uh, that have been released in the 60s are going to be in the public domain very soon. And, you know, people are going to jump on that, and it's going to be a, a madhouse if you want it for free. But if, you know, people have already had the idea, they got the license for it, and they're probably at some, uh, you know, record label status mm-hmm. where they could do all this stuff. But for underground artists, it'd be wise to... Um, license songs in the public domain. Okay. Anything to add, Carl? Um, you know, I again, it's it's all about just you know finding what influences you and then rolling with that. You know, I've I've seen um, kind of on both sides of the spectrum recently with music um, a lack of originality, but also kind of an uprising creativity mm-hmm. in that aspect of, you know, taking those older records and, and kind of making something completely new out of it that, that many people wouldn't expect, which I think is neat. Like uh, Kanye West's new joint Fade that just came out. I mean, that sample, One of my favorites. three 90s house records, mm-hmm. which, you know, I've, I've grown up listening to myself. So when I heard that, I'm like, wait a second, like, this is hot, you know, and I, I drop it at like every party that I DJ now and it's like it, people go crazy so I mean it's, it's just all about you know kind of finding that balance between originality and creativity using stuff that's been relevant for a long time to kind of tap into a whole new audience yeah. and and to add on to that there's no such thing as, as the most original song in the world mm-hmm. there's always everybody has always looked back and have mm-hmm. taken some sort of some element in there it, I right. think it would be impossible mm-hmm. for anybody to create a song that's that ha- doesn't use any anything that any other artist has ever like use like com- compositional wise, lyrics wise, or anything like that. You know, it's so people have always people people have always taken in from who they've influenced in there. But I feel like it's you know it's more relevant if you would see what the ideas have, see what ideas that other people made and put it into your own work and work it out. It's like the Simpsons did it kind of way. Simpsons mm-hmm. did it. Yep. It's always already been done, so you know we just, just got to keep moving forward and <laughs> finding your taste of originality in, in music rather than somebody else's. Yeah. Um, speaking of um, influences, um, what do y'all um, influences like say as a DJ or a producer or mm. just uh, just as a human being like an influence? Um, well, funny enough, I actually come from you know a family of musicians. Uh, Music, very musically inclined family and um, I started off as a musician before I even delved into production and DJing I started off you know learning the fundamentals of piano and, and you know classical music uh, notes chords things like that and slowly transitioned more into the, the rhythm side I started picking up percussion drums things like that so I mean just listening to different styles of music and you know the different rhythm structures kind of you know, just prompted me to begin kind of my own journey into music and creating my own thing. So um, I've taken elements of 
you know, jazz and uh, Latin to produce my own original music. And, you know, you'll even hear it in the instrumentation if, you know, whoever's heard my music, you know, they'll tell you, like, wow, like that, that conga is pretty, pretty dope or that, that kick is real tight, you know. So all my influences just come from really just hearing different things and listening to a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Well, my my family is not musically inclined at all. So, no so one, no one in my family has. We're starting from ground zero here. <laughs> we were the no first, idea. the first in our family, and uh, we really picked up a lot through the media that we watch, like television, movies, and most likely the internet as well. You know, internet influences us a lot. We're always on the internet, and we always really get into what's what's hot now. Like our first album ever, our first album we bought ever was Fifty Cents. This is a free promo. It's our first album that we ever bought was 50 Cent's Give Richard Die Trying. And my dad was, my dad, we were young as hell, and Nick wanted to buy it. And, and, and it was, and we were in Barnes & Noble. He said, you gotta get this album, you gotta get this album. My dad just blindly bought it. And when he first heard it, he was like, oh my God, Nathan, Nicholas, what in the hell are you listening to? And I'm just, and you know what, we, we still have it. We still have that album. It was a great album, but you know, it was not, not a good first album to buy <laughs> when you're uh, like eight or nine years old. You know, listening to radio influenced a lot about music, but people it, like personally who influenced me to be who I am today, um, my father was a big influence, you know, my family, everybody around me, uh, friends, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stop, you know, um, wherever you are in life, you know, you can always do something, especially when you're young, you can do anything you want, you can try to be anybody you want, and um, when I started going uh, for music stuff, you know, I wasn't really thinking more in the music perspective, I was more thinking about the business side of it. So, um, my father was a very business-oriented person, and that's where I get most of my kicks from. Um, but now I'm focusing more on the music uh, to it, and my brother's been there coaching me through uh, DAWs and um, you know production tools and studio and stuff like that. And I'm getting really inclined in, in how to work around a studio, and it's a lot of uh, a lot of thanks to Nate and, and this school here. Because um, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't actually be in this program at all. I'd probably still be at Camden County getting my uh, bachelor's in uh, business administration or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. So it, it just, whenever you have that instinct to go for it, you just should go for it. There's no way around it. You know, your gut instinct is always the right instinct. Mm-hmm. And on that tip, um, what made you um, actually want to pursue music? Was it just like something that you just had to do? It was like something that that's the only thing I could ever see myself doing or is it somebody um, gave you an avenue to appreciate that that could be possible for you? Uh, for me, it was it was more so just the fact that I've always been around it, mm-hmm. um, you know, from an early age, you know, from ever since I could really walk, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's always been a part of my life. So I figured, you know, why not take advantage of all the different resources and influences around me and, you know, use that to my advantage. I mean, there, there's a lot of different avenues I know I could have taken and I've even considered, you know, uh, nine to fives, stuff like that, you know, um, very noteworthy positions in society, like, you know, fireman, cop, you know, wh- whatever the case may be. But I just see myself as a very creative person. And for me to just limit my creative potential and my skill sets, you know, my abilities, I feel like would be me kind of limiting myself mm-hmm. 
and I just I wouldn't want to look back on on that and, and regret that. You know, I, I feel like I'd really be selling myself short. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, I, uh, I when I I was originally from Pittsburgh. Me and Nick are originally from Pittsburgh, and when we um, first moved down to Jersey, when I started high school, I didn't want to just be the same lame kid I was back in eighth grade and before and everything. You know, I, I, I want to try something new. For me, I, I thought about, you know, doing a lot of things when I was younger, but, you know, I didn't really set it, set it to a specific mm-hmm. one I wanted to do. I've always just wanted to be everything. You know, one day I'll be, I want to do one thing, and then I'll go out and do my research and dish out my allowance on on needless things that I only need for, like, a day, you know. And, you know, and I will never really get into it. But when I uh, got into music... I really said to myself that I want to try to see where, how far can I take this? And, you know, and as I learned my, my DAWs and my and pro tools and all that stuff like that, and even DJing as well, I picked up that on, to, uh, on that too, because, uh, you know, I wanted this, I really wanted to not try to, uh, get, throw it away. Let's just, let's just say, throw it away the next day, play it one day, throw it away. You know, I don't want to do that anymore. So, and it's and it was, the cool part was no one in my school really did any music like producing wise. So I would be probably the first kid to ever really influence anybody to go out and pursue a uh, uh, like a career like be a rapper or be a DJ or anything like that. You know, because we had a lot of rappers in our school and they had no producers. So I was like, all right, I'll be the first guy to do it. So why not? A lot of people coming in and out of our house uh, in Ocean City to produce tracks and stuff like that. It was a, it was one crazy time, man, let me tell you. But They treated our house like a whole entire party I wasn't, house. I wasn't with it at the same time he was. He was getting into it, and I was in there just trying to listen and see what I could uh, help as far as, like, what kind of pitch you should put this on or, like, a note or something like that. It was really um, minimal. But at the time, we didn't know any of that at all. We were just going off of what was in our heads and what we found on YouTube. You know, it's not, it's, we were, we were just going with the flow and see how we did it. But, but I think the question was, why did you do it? What made you want to do it? What made me want to do it? I mean, you know, I felt like I want to try something new. You know, I never really set up, set skill for myself. I mean, you know, except being very good at video games is kind of a set skill we call nowadays. I mean, with the internet, with YouTube, now you can do that. But I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to grow up doing that. So I don't want to put a career on that. So I decided that, you know, if, if music was a good thing to do, you know, I could actually find some time to do something myself and really learn that, you know, I can actually teach myself how to make music and then end up becoming so, a professional. So you did it because you wanted to learn how to do music you wanted just the experience and how to make music i wanted to experience it but then at, since i got so far i just decided that you know what let's make it a career for what reason did you want to make it a career though man just saying I'm in what reason you. i want to make it a career I'm in business with you. Why, why, i haven't heard this bro let me let me ask you this why would i want to i mean i want to make this a career because you know it's 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 i i'm not very good at a lot of things either but you know i feel like music is so good to me, I feel like it connects to me more. It's like that second voice I've never had. It's like that. It's like that. Sec- it's like how I can't explain things in person. Like you see how bad I'm talking right now. That's how. That's the. That's the reason why I do music is to express my feelings in a more of a visual and creative way, 
rather than just talking it to you guys, because then you hear me stumble and say, uh, uh, all day, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> so, normally, normally for myself, I think it's my second voice, and I feel like that if I put all my emotions on it, you know, I can really paint a good picture. Mentally. Well, we can all say your speaking skills aren't as good as your music skills. And uh, with that, I want to say, you know, I'm glad to be in business. To properly love. You know? Yeah. To properly love. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, but he's, he's the man. I got into this because of him. Um, you know, he needed a business partner. And, and when we uh, first started DJing and doing our thing, we really had no structure. So I came in with the plan, and, and we executed. So that's why I'm in it. Um, helping my brother out and, you know, trying to live my dreams as well as an artist and a, and a musician, too. But music is, is really important to everyone's, you know, lifestyle, mm-hmm. whether it just be the ride at work or, you know, you just need to relax and, and listen to some good music. It really all depends um, to whom the listener is and uh, how often they want to... Uh, unwind to someone's particular type of music. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and going on like the specific type of music and how it makes people feel. Um, since you guys, since um, Carl, I know you're a DJ and I know Nate, you're a DJ. Um, how would, um, how is, when you look into an audience, like say before you even start the um, DJing for a party or like an event or something like that, how do you scope out um, the environment to make sure that you know exactly what to play. Do you scope it off of not um, necessarily like like something like assumptions? Do you go off assumptions or you just go off of feeling? Um, for me, it, it really depends on um, the area. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I generally have kind of a knowledge of um, my area, mm-hmm. specifically North End and Central Jersey. Um, a lot of those, uh, you know, a lot of that demographic is, is mainly... Um, very hip hop and, and dance music lovers, mm-hmm. so I know from experience that that's what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, and even me growing up, you know, I, I witnessed um, people going out to different events, different festivals, things like that. That's that's what they respond to. That's that's really what they're all about. Um, but when it comes to a new environment, I mean, I just kind of test the waters. That's that's kind of what you have to do as a DJ. You know, your job is to connect with the crowd by any means necessary. So if you throw on a, on a record, you know, or a track, and they're not really feeling it, what do you do? You switch it up, try something new, see how they respond to that, and you go by that. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of it is just, you know, taking chances, really, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> when I look into a crowd, like my first ever gig I ever did, was my high school prom, which was probably the worst thing you could ever do, but it was a big risk for me, but I decided to do it. Um, I would see, I would look at, I mean, if I'm in front of like a house party or a crowd or anything like that, I look at what we, I mean, body language is probably the best thing you can, you can look at. You know, if you don't see people jumping up and down dancing, that's already, that's already the one, the number one red flag. Get it. If no one's moving, you're not, you're not going to it's not going to be a fun time so you might as well switch it up play around and stuff like yeah. that sometimes I sometimes there are sometimes where people come up and try to uh, try to tell me hey you gotta change the song and then you know they start touching your stuff and then you know even when you're in the middle of doing that you also gotta cater the crowd and everything you know the it's it's a big it's it's a big red flag especially with body language and I feel like another way is that if people come up to and request music more often than um, 
than they should. Like if you're gonna get you're gonna get requests regardless. Right. Don't even that's not even a given. There's gonna be no no gig you're ever gonna DJ for. Play closer by the chain smokers. There you go. There's gonna be one one person gonna say that. One person's gonna say that and then um when um but if the thing is if people come in more um more often than they should, then that's when there's something going on, you know, you're not playing the right music they're feeling for, you know, and time to really look into a broad aspect, you know, you cause I would I would view it like if I was in that party and I see myself DJing, what am I gonna yeah, say if he plays that song? Yeah. What am I gonna do if I wasn't there? But it all depends on the event too, because if you're just going to a party, you know, a house party is totally different. You can grunge out, you know, yeah, rap you all day long. That's all I want to hear, you know, and uh, get some trap in there and, and heavy, heavy um, electronic music. But if you're like dan- doing for like a wedding, you know, you gotta cater to what the the, the bride and the groom have like set for you. It's it's really all depends on the um, the mood and the the style of the event. That too, you know, and it's honestly it's it's a science to it, you know. Whether mm-hmm. people want to believe that or not, you know, most people wouldn't see that, but you know, as as the DJ, you're pretty much in control of what's going on. Of the mood, and the, yeah, you, you're setting everything. You're pretty much setting the mood and the vibe for the whole night. So, for me personally, you know, it gets to a point where you know, maybe five, 10, 15 minutes in, I already got them. So I'll just start just dropping back to back, you know, whatever the hell they're feeling at the mm-hmm. time. And I know because of the way they're responding, like I got them for the whole night. So, uh, you know, and, and like Nate said, you know, it's, you know, looking to see how people respond, body language, that's a big thing when it comes to, when it comes to things like that. And knowing your setting, knowing your crowd, your demographic, what age group is, is mostly, you know, mm-hmm. present at whatever mm-hmm. event you do. Sure. Um, even things as simple as race. You know, let's let's be real here. Mm-hmm. You know, mostly Caucasians are going to listen to different than you know African Americans. That's just the way it is. You know, it's a culture thing. Mm-hmm. So when I'm at a, you know, if I'm at a a, a wedding where there's mostly like forties, fifty year old white people, I'm gonna play classic rock because I know that that's what that generation. You know, that's what they like Mm -hmm. versus if I'm at a house party or something and most of the crowd is, you know, in their 20s, maybe some even 30s, let's just say. Mm -hmm. They're going to listen to they're going to want to hear mostly, you know, hip hop, a little bit of rock here and there, some reggae, dance, house like that's that's just the generational thing. And it's a cultural thing. So being aware of all of those things, too, is is what I go by when I'm when I'm DJing. Yeah, I can definitely attest to when a DJ gets it. Right, right. I'm on the floor because mm-hmm. I did because you saw me when at yeah. we had yeah. our event. I don't know if you guys saw the video that I posted of um, one of the events we had for um, RMG, mm-hmm. um, but um, Carl was DJing and I was pretty much dancing the whole time he was up. <laughs> so he was um, doing you. his job. Um, but like that. that's how I always judge if a club is fun. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always like if I go if I'm taking time to get dressed, freshen up, look good and go somewhere I need to be able to have fun the whole time right there shouldn't be like a dead moment at all so if like the DJ does what the DJ is supposed to do as you say is to make sure that people are on the floor the whole time and always moving so that's how I judge it um I guess um since I guess do you guys have any think do you guys have any like singles that people can search for on SoundCloud or anything are we going to do the promos now? Yes, yeah. the promo part. Yeah, the promo part of the show. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, I mean, for me, uh, it's always everywhere activate. The activate. Corporation One came out March uh, two thousand seventeen. On St. Um, Patrick's Day, can you believe that? So we're still focusing on getting sales for that and getting streams and stuff. We're on SoundCloud, Spotify, um, everywhere. You know, I, I can go through the whole list. Uh, it's up to you to listen to it. Go to YouTube. You know, title blah blah. blah. You'll find it. Activate. Can you spell yeah. that for them? A K T I V E I G H T. Active eight. You or if you can't read, you can look it on on the title screen right there. So I'm pretty sure Derek will know how to spell activate. Mm-hmm. So you'll get it. I'll get it. I'll figure it out. Just check it out on um, our Instagram at um, Millennial Tunes Podcast on Instagram. So I'll post everything up there. Um, for you, Carl. Yeah, as for me, I'm actually relaunching all of my social media this year. Okay. Uh, probably within the next few weeks. And I'm going to have a lot of stuff coming out um, within the next couple months because I'll actually be DJing in Miami during Miami Music Week. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to have uh, a label that I actually just started um, working alongside, pretty much working with as an artist. We're all going to be down there, and uh, they're going to be releasing a lot of our stuff prior to, you know, up and coming close to, to Miami Music Week okay. around maybe mid-March. So mm-hmm. definitely keep you guys posted with that. Okay. Sweet. Um, do you guys want to um, post out your social medias? Everything at Activate. A-K-T-I-V-E-I-G-H-T. At Activate. Everything. Check out our website, www.activate.com. <laughs> it's popping. we got plenty of videos. You can actually look at all of our music on that website. And as for myself, Carl Chase, just stay tuned. I'm going to be coming out pretty hard, just going hard with everything within the next few weeks. So get ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a few more questions before we leave, guys. Um, sure thing. So um, I guess let me give a combination question. Um, what's your dream collabs and um, what do you hope to change in the music industry with your creations? Wow. That's a, that's a big one. Um, I would say Dream Collabs would, would definitely consist of artists within the underground house music scene, um, maybe even the mainstream dance music scene, and some hip-hop and R&B artists, you know, whether they're up and coming, you know, they're big, emerging, whatever the case may be, you know, at the end of the day, it's we're all in this together, you know, we're all in this 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 small but big industry there you know what i mean so it's i feel like i really don't want to limit myself as far as Mm -hmm. who i work with because you never know how somebody else may be able to help your career and your growth as a person and as an artist Mm -hmm. um and you know i what was the other question um what do you hope to change oh what do i hope to change i definitely hope to introduce I guess a new twist on what's already hot. How I plan to do that, I have no fucking idea. But, you know, I just I I plan to, to really create something that's like like out of this world just fucking hot. You know what I mean? It starts with a conception. Um that's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotta well, think about it first. Then it'll come yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it comes with time, you know. But like who? But who would uh, you want to collaborate with? Like anybody? You know, I would say for you, you'd be like Oliver Halladins. Have you ever heard of him? Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Like, you know, high low and all that stuff mm-hmm. like that, techno artists and stuff like that, you know. Like, who would be your dream? Ooh, like, who? Like, like any, if you could pick like, anybody in the world. Okay. Like, anybody. <laughs> like, you could pick Skrillex, you know. All right, so, um, man, so many people, but, you know, a, a lot of my favorite uh, dance guys, when, when I really started getting more into electronic music, uh, DJ Chucky. Um, Afrojack, nice. uh, Dead Mouse, call him yeah. out, man. Yeah. Out. One of these days, man. Yeah, yeah, hear this podcast, yeah. man. Be in here. Uh, let's see, even the the old school classic house guys, Louis Vega, David Morales, um, you know, Chicago guys, DJ Sneak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the list goes on, but you know, it's it's all about just you know coming together really as a community of artists, not just DJs, not just singers, not just rappers, not just. Uh, keyboardists or pianists or guitarists or whatever the hell like we're all in this together you know we're all trying to make it so and I think productions you know our motto is collaboration is key mm-hmm. to becoming successful in the music industry um, we take that in, into heavy consideration when we're looking for new talent and trying to collaborate is one of our main focuses because if we could help somebody become more relevant in the music industry, then maybe they can help us back along the way whenever they're, you know, pursuing greater things. It, it all starts somewhere, and what we're trying to do is activate their potential. That's why we call this Activate Productions, because we give them the opportunity to go out there and do it, you know, with the music industry as they please, but at least they have some type of structure and building spot, you know, and we think collaboration is is plays a big part in, in developing an artist and making sure yeah. that everything works out the way they want it to because the music industry is very tricky and you know it, I've been going to this you know school for like three years now and it's honestly um, it could be easy some classes are kind of lax than others and but you know at the end of the day whenever you're out there in the real world there's no second chance no second guessing you really got to make that that first initial instinct um decision and usually it comes out to be on top for us i mean we just got to keep growing and keep pursuing what we're trying to do before we go out full-fledged and show everybody what we've been up to because you know it takes some time uh you know record may drop but a year down the road get famous it's just matter of time for us at least and uh, we're going to keep working hard every step of the way yeah and I really take into consideration people I say when I work in, with people I say you know egos don't really don't really matter at this point you know people have I, who I know who I've really have met and talked to I've always asked them to go just want to collab want to make on a track together just make something small something easy and um, you know that some people are just like oh I don't want to waste my time with somebody who has like 250 followers on Instagram, for example. This happened a long time ago. You know, some people look at, they look into your profile and they don't really, that's the first thing they look at, you know. When they look into your profile on Instagram, you know, people have, you know, people they say, oh, he only has 250 followers, but his music's tight, but I'm not going to get famous off this guy, so I'm just going to scrap his creativity. But that really, that really gives it out. That's that's a very limiting way of thinking as well. Yeah. You know, we, I feel like, in this industry in particular, you know, entertainment, it's Im- images is a big part of, you know, the way people perceive you and everything, but it, it shouldn't get to a point where it limits you from wanting to work with somebody. I feel like we've been socially conditioned to just 
go straight for, you know, looking at how many followers somebody has when that can easily be faked. I mean, people buy followers all the time, you know, so it's one of those things where, you know, you should judge an artist not by, you know, as cliche as it is, not by the cover. Mm-hmm. You know, look deeper into what they're about, you know, what they're actually accomplishing, because there's plenty of, of big guys out there that don't have 50,000 followers on Instagram or Twitter or whatever the hell, you know what I mean? So if we could just get past all the social media bullcrap, you know, I feel like this industry would be a lot less segregated, you know, and a lot more integrated. Yeah, you definitely look at the um, dedication to each artist's hands rather than right. just the the amount of followers mm-hmm. because dedication outbeats and work outbeats an artist any day. If you can, if an artist isn't, uh, is making music but not working, the artist isn't going to uh, uh, pan out to be who he wants to be. But if you're working hard and, you know, you're just focused, that work is going to outbeat that artist's mm-hmm. talent any day. Mm-hmm. Sure. That, yeah. um, that's pretty much what this podcast was about. I wanted to created for mostly people that aren't not like well known yet but are trying to rise up and then the whole collaboration between everyone in the music industry mm-hmm. I wanted everybody to get the same amount of respect for the job that they put in to make the industry what it actually is it's us little yeah. guys it's us little guys that make it, it, that make it more it doesn't matter about the top the, the biggest in the top 40 you know it's us, yeah. us little guys here you know everybody yeah. started out from the ground mm-hmm. you know you can't just you know can't just walk at, in a celebrity right? it, it, yeah. and look at somebody big and be like oh yeah they, they got big overnight like nah like it, it took years and years and years of just grinding you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A, a lot of big guys. I mean, Calvin Harris, for example. Let's look at Calvin Harris. I learned that just by reading his biography, Calvin Harris started out working in a fish market mm-hmm. in Scotland. You know, and he's been working his ass off making music, and he's one of the highest paid DJs in the world. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's and he's been he's been making tracks like way back. Like if you if you thought that that one song uh, met you that summer song was his was his first hit song. I mean, like, that's when he became more relevant. Right. But um, like and even before he's been he's been making tracks way before that. And you know, and he had like tons of albums. Yeah. They were great. And they were all good. It was songs just a di- it was just that one diamond in the rough that made him great. And you know, and anybody could do it. You know, you see, uh, one hit wonders all the time. Yep, it, it happens. Especially nowadays. Yeah. Nowadays, it's very, it's very more prominent because it's a singles world now. Mm-hmm. It's not an album's world. No. You, know, you got EPs. You got, um, you know, the singles are what people want because it's out. It's just one track and it's cheap. You know, it's, and it's available. And I don't know if you guys ever heard of Carl Cox. Yeah, I heard of him. Obviously, Tiesto. You know, guys of that generation. You know, they they started out just doing warehouse raves over in Europe, you know, mm-hmm. and then now they're among the biggest DJs in the world, you know, it's crazy. And even in an interview I saw with, with Tiesto, you know, he went back to saying he never even expected this to even happen. Yeah. You know, his, his goal, his end goal was not starting as a DJ. You know, it just so happened that uh, the industry caught on to what he was doing and said, hey, you know, we want to work something out with you. But at the end of the day, he was just doing what he loved. It could just come up with, yeah. an, you know, an artist can come up with an idea. Right. Like, like Stevie Oki. Mm-hmm. He um, built his own record label, and he made it, you know, what it is now today. Uh, what was it called? Denmark. Denmark, Denmark yeah. Records, yeah. yeah. 
And um, that was such a dream thing that he had. But as soon as people caught word that his music was hot, that's when his uh, career took off. And it can all start with just one business decision, yep. you know, one partnership, mm -hmm. one deal. Uh, you just don't want to be uh, trapped and locked in because that's where they get you, you know, in the fine print. Um, whenever you're signing contracts and stuff like that, um, you really got to be uh, mindful of, uh, of the industry uh, tomfoolery and the tricks because you might not understand it. Take it to a lawyer, uh, have him read it. You know, it, it pays to uh, get your money back at the end of the day when, you know, the deal goes good. Sure. Um, for the last question I'm going to ask you guys today, um, what was the favorite song that you guys have made yourself? Like, can you figure out, like, a song that you really... <laughs> I have, I, I mean, I haven't made, I made my favorite song so far. Right now, I've already made my favorite song. It's, I'm actually going to go to the studio right after this and go finish it. Um, but my most favorite song I've made so far right now was, was the Story With You featuring Andrew Moore, which was featured on the mm -hmm. RMG compilation album. Um, and because the funny part was that song, you can literally watch, there's a video of me in the studio with me, Nick, Andrew, and a friend, Giancarlo. Uh, Giancarlo, I was singing a shout-out to Brazy Music and John Giancarlo. Uh, he was in the studio with me, and, you know, he was with me, you know, telling me what he, he thinks about this song. And, you know, we've been going back and forth trading ideas, and you can see, you can watch and see the entire song being produced in that one studio session on Facebook Live, and I saved it, so I know that. Once my documentary comes, I can uh, I can put that on there and say this is I made this in one studio session. Oh, you didn't even say you won People's Choice for PHL Live. Well, well, that's when we get that later. That we can get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we can do that. 2017, 2018 champ over here. People's nice. Choice. Congratulations. People's Choice. We're, We're making moves, guys. That's great. Yeah, my uh, I'd have to say the, the my favorite track that I've produced so far is. It's a track by the name of Tamboris, which you guys all know uh -huh. because it's on the album. It's on the Rowan Music Group compilation album, War You Volume 1. So check that shit out. It's the last track on the album. Um, you know, I, I made that over the course of about about a month. And this was in, in 2013, and I, I still just I rock out to that shit whenever I hear it. You know, but I'm, I'm working on a bunch of different things right now, a bunch of different projects, and slowly my production i'm starting to notice it's starting to get a lot better so you know a lot of the old stuff i produced i don't even i hate it <laughs> so but, it's all about know, progression exactly so just gonna keep it going my favorite song i've created i had a, a four really good like songs that i really wanted to take uh to the whole to a whole nother level but the deal kind of went sour so um my favorite song was uh get it got it good and that was uh uh, my first ever, you know, produced, recorded, everything, mastered track that I've ever done. It was off. That song came off of my personal album, uh, The Corporation One, which also features a bunch of different artists that helped yeah, us out. Featured Anita and, and, and Jazzy. Andrew. Shout out to those guys. Um, I was, you know, so focused. And right now I'm creating an EP. So, um, for my capstone project coming soon, we're gonna do we're gonna try doing a drop in summertime sometime, 
and um, work it from there. Have a, a big, you know, promotional party and and things like that. So stay tuned. Lethal Range is coming with some some good stuff, and we're gonna have a good time making it too. Look forward to hearing that. Word. Well, I just want to thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for um, being inter- being interviewed by me. Absolutely. Um, thanks for thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Um, well, can you guys just give your social medias really quick so everybody can follow you guys? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I am currently at Chase Letter N Treasure on Instagram right now. But like I said, I'll be coming out with my own individual Instagram relaunching. Pretty much everything, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, all that. So stay tuned. And everything, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, SoundCloud, Snapchat, whatever. It's at Activate, A-K-T-I-V-E-I-G-H-T. You can find me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Lethal Range, at Lethal Range. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Um, And whenever you guys have any more things to talk about you can always just contact me and uh, support you guys as always all right bye guys thank you thank you thank you